Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accounts Go podcast. I'm your host, Mark Goldman. And in this episode, I was very happy to be able to get some time on the calendar with the CFO of Bartlett Cox General Contractors, Bobby Rios in San Antonio. He's got a wonderful story and how he moved up into management and controller and eventually CFO. And he's got a lot of tidbits about lessons learned along the way. And and I truly think that whether you're 20 years into your career or whether you're just getting ready to graduate college with an accounting degree, you can really learn a lot from his story and, and some lessons that, frankly, he learned the hard way. Plus, he gives back a lot to the community. I had no idea how involved he was until this podcast. I I knew about a couple things, but nowhere near the expanse of of everything he does in the nonprofit community in San Antonio. And so I think that's a very valuable piece of, of the story as well. So without further delay, let's get started. Well, good morning, Bobby. Thank you very much for joining us for the show this morning. I really appreciate you taking the time. Glad to be here and looking forward to just visiting and going through questions you've got and hopefully finding out a little bit more about myself. (laughs) Wonderful. We both will. Actually, a whole lot of people will. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. I, I want to have you on the show for a couple reasons, actually. First of all, Obviously, a CFO of Bartlett Cock General Contractors, you've had a, a very successful career. And I think for our listeners that are earlier on in their career and continuing to build, I, I think your story would be very beneficial to them. And then also, I know giving back to the community is very important to you. And, and I know my knowledge of, of your background, that area barely touches the surface with LLS, but i really like to know more about that as well. So if you don't mind... Okay. Yeah. If you could walk us through your career a little bit, how did you get started in accounting? Public, industry, where'd you start? I started in public. Actually, kind of fell into accounting more by, by chance. I was uh, attended University of Texas. And it's funny nowadays when I talk to some of the, the kids that are going into school, they've got definitive plans. I have a nephew who's got his high school curriculum all planned and he's got his college curriculum all planned. I went to Quite honestly, I went, you know, freshman year at UT, I was clueless. I mean, I was <laughs> clueless as to what I wanted to, what I wanted to be. And, and, you know, I was 17. So my mom started me in school early. So I was, I, I'm going to blame it on that. I'm going to blame it on my immaturity and youth. But I was, you know, just really not sure what I wanted to study. I was real strong in math and science, considered engineering, but that, that just didn't appeal to me. And my brother had gone into, or was pre-dent, going into, wanted to be a dentist. And so I kind of thought, well, I don't want to be a dentist, but I wouldn't, maybe the medical profession is more of what I would like to do. 
And I, again, I couldn't see myself. That really wasn't appealing to me either. I mean, being a doctor wasn't really what I wanted to be. So first uh, semester, I kind of just took the basic courses and you know, kind of got my feet wet with uh, a large university. Came from a small school in Honda with you know 100 graduating students. So went to school where there was 45,000 kids enrolled. So obviously a huge cultural difference there. And so I just kind of took some basics and eventually went to. I knew I wanted to get into business. I like okay. banking. And all that, but I, but I, so I knew I wanted to move into that area, and so I went to a counselor and sat down with them, and, and basically said, "Hey, you know, I'm real strong in math. You know, I really want to be in the business school, but tell me what's the best major to get into." And, and they said accounting, and I said, "Okay, that's that's where I'm going." <laughs> so that's, and, and he said, "You know, I think for several reasons. I think one, uh, accounting professions, there's always been a big demand for accountants." I've never kind of been in a period where that hasn't been true. I, and if there has, I, I certainly missed it. But there seems to always be a demand. And I think that's kind of where he was. You know, there's a lot of jobs in accounting. And I think that'd be a great place for you to go. And so I did. Went into accounting, got my accounting degree, came out. And again, back when I graduated back in 1979, I'm going to age myself here a little bit. It's <laughs> um, okay. Kind of the norm was to try to get into public accounting. I think most of the students were trying to get into one of the big eight, which was big eight back then, firms. And so I did. I mean, I interviewed with other companies as well, not knowing whether I'd get into a public accounting firm but I or a big eight firm. But I ended up interviewing with several and had several offers. And back then, it was Ernst & Ernst here in San Antonio. That that was my goal was to, to come here. So I was fortunate enough to get an offer from them. And so I started in public accounting. I mean, I think there's people that go into public accounting with the hopes of, or that kind of want to stay in public accounting, become partners and all that. I pretty much knew after a few, I wouldn't say a few months, but probably, you know, several months and not within a year or so that I really wanted to catapult from there and and move into working for a company. And I did. I ended up leaving public accounting after a couple of years and moving into hard hands communication and stayed with them for about nine years. And I left them to actually work for a competitor of theirs, Advo Incorporated, and then eventually kind of moved throughout the country. And I won't go into all those those moves, but eventually ended up leaving them and coming back to San Antonio and ended up working for Ilex Oncology here. So I've kind of moved different industries, have been fortunate enough to work for different industries. They got bought out, and so I found myself, okay, I got a little left in me. I'm going to you know, go I have to find another job, and ended up, fortunately, coming to work for, for Bartlett Cock. They were, their CFO had left several months prior and felt you know, extremely fortunate to be kind of at the right place at the right time and land this job, which I certainly has probably been the most enjoyable job that I've had, and I've had some great jobs. I've been very blessed in that area, and so, but I do do feel like this is this is the place where I belong and, and it's been a great, great I've been here nine years, just October first was my nine year anniversary and it's been great. Been I mean it's gone by fast. And again, like they say, time flies when you're having fun and, and I can honestly say that's been the case here. That's wonderful. Yeah, I didn't realize it had been nine years either. Time does fly. Yeah, it's gone quick. Very, very quick. So I'm curious, have you moved up in your career 
with each move, each change of companies, if you will, being a step up or had had you moved up within the organizations? Because you worked at some rather large companies. Yeah. You know, I did. Uh, you know, I think early on moving, especially from Hard Hanks, I was there almost eight, I guess I was there a little over eight years, just under nine years. And, you know, when you're young, at least when I was young, I mean, I just was looking for that next step. And, and I wanted to do it within the company. I mean, you know, kind of our generation was such that you kind of went to work somewhere and you kind of stayed there. And I mean, even though I went to public, I mean, the public was really, to me, was just a step, which was a great place to go. I mean, a great place to start your career. You get exposed to a lot. You got a lot of training that they provide. So they really prepare you for for more than, you know, just public. And I was fortunate to be, to be able to move into the hard hanks. And I went to internal audit, became a financial analyst, worked on a special project with them on, on converting from a, kind of a mainframe to a, in-house accounting system to one that we had purchased that was more online and, and all that. So it was that was a good project to to be involved with. And then they had 26, op- or actually they were in 26 states, and I, I don't know how many operations they had, but there was like 115 or something like that, different operations. They had newspapers, TV stations, radio stations, direct mail, shopper publications, et cetera. So they were involved in, you know, all those media. And so it was, they, some opportunities were to move out to some of those places. And I did move to California. It was one of my first moves. And so that was my first kind of assistant controller position. So I did go finally make a move into, into that area. And then when I left them, I actually went to Advo, a competitor of theirs and got into a controller position with them. So that was kind of my, my move. Again, it was, like you said, it was a progression. I mean, my, my goal was to try to move up corporate ladder as quickly as I could, which I'm not saying that's what everybody should do because I'd look back and had I stayed with Hart Hanks, I probably would have been CFO around the same time frame that I, that I did <laughs> moving from company to company. Cause I mean, you've got to reestablish yourself and, you know, it just takes time for, there's time that you got to put in before you can really catapult to where you ultimately want to go to. Okay. It sounds like you were you were flexible about where you lived in the U.S. as well. It sounds like there's some moves in there somewhere. There were. There were. It's. It's. I mean, I tell you, we we were moving almost every two years. And I, our first, my first nine years of marriage, we actually moved physically to different locations ten times. And wow. again, not a recommendation that I would make. <laughs> but <laughs> it, I mean, it was fun. You know, I was young, newly married. Wife was super supportive, and you know, we were kind of adventuresome and wanted to experience other parts of the country. And we were fortunate enough to, to have been able to do that. So we we were in California, you know, West Coast. We were in East Coast, Boston area. We lived in Delaware, of all places, which is kind of I never thought live there, but it's a great place to live. It was fun. Obviously, you're close to a lot of other areas, so you get to experience those things. And then numerous places. I mean, lived in in Houston and Dallas and here in San Antonio. But you know, obviously, came back home. Although I'm from Hondo, I certainly consider San Antonio to be home. And and this is uh, a great city. Love it here. So it was it was great to be back because most of our family is here. So that was that was a nice plus to to be able to come back and do that. Sure. I'm I'm assuming there's not too many multi-million dollar companies out in Hondo, Texas. No, no. no. <laughs> not, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Wonderful. So eventually you got to a point in your career where it was just time to, to try to make it back home. 
Is that sort of how that? Yeah, it was. You know what? It, it was. We were living in it, uh, kind of an interesting story. We were living in the woodlands. Great neighborhood, great neighbors. We belonged to a great church. We just had established ourselves there pretty firmly. We'd been there about seven years. And I'm heading to work, and my wife's heading to work one morning, and she calls me on her cell phone and says, hey, you know, what are we doing here? And, of course, that took me back. I wasn't sure what that question meant to be quite honest at the time. And I said, what do you mean, what are we doing here? She goes, why are we living here? Why are we living here in in the Houston area, we were living in the woodlands, but you know, certainly close enough to Houston. And uh, sure. kind of thought about it. And she goes, you know, all our family, everybody's back in San Antonio. That's a great city to go you know, to live, and everybody's there. Why don't we? And we were, at the time, we were nieces, nephews, father, mother, birthdays, and all that, and Christmas, Thanksgiving. We were the ones trekking it here, and we were we were the ones. You know, everybody else was here, so we we're the ones who you know were always traveling and during the holidays and all that. And we were traveling for birthdays and other anniversaries, et cetera, et cetera. So we were we were constantly coming into San Antonio. And so it was kind of, you know, just kind of a question that she threw out. And it was just the timing probably couldn't have been better. I was at a juncture where I thought, you know, I'm not really sure whether I want to continue to do what I'm doing. And you know, maybe it's time to change. And at the time, I was working for Advo Incorporated for a small company, you know, kind of, again, moving up corporate ladder sometimes make some sacrifices and, and do some things that are maybe a little different than what you had planned. And so timing, like I said, was kind of felt, felt good. And so I said, you know, why don't we put the house on the market? And, you know, that's probably going to take a while. And and that gives us a chance to think about it. And then we'll go from there. Well, we listed the house probably the weekend before Thanksgiving. And by the following week after Thanksgiving, we had like three offers. Wow, house. And, and it was like, okay, well, we're moving. And by, I think, I don't know if it was January 1st or whatever, we were here in San Antonio. And maybe I should be a little embarrassed to admit to this, but, but maybe not. But hadn't really looked for a job. She hadn't looked for a job. <laughs> you know, fortunately, we were in a position where that wasn't critical and moved I actually moved in with my parents who live in Hondo till we found a place and we found a place like within like probably within a month or month and a half. But then I just kind of started, you know, kind of networking back in San Antonio and, and it'd been a while. It'd been like 14 years since I've been back. So it was, it was kind of a little strange because I, I didn't know as many people or the, or the people that I did know had also moved into other, other companies and all that. But lo and behold, like I got a hold of some folks that I talked to the folks at Hart Hanks and I had left under good terms and all that. And I said, hey, listen, I'm back in town. I'm not looking for a job with you guys. I'm not asking for that. But you know, if you know anybody, just, just let me know. Well, sure enough, they put me in contact with Alex and College. There was some ex-Hart Hanks employees that had gone there and it just worked out. I mean, I ended up going there and uh, actually took a step back because I had been CFO in the Woodlands and actually was hired on as an assistant controller, which was kind of a a big move for me to, to make. But I don't know. I was at a point in my career where I, where I wasn't as concerned about position. I was more concerned about working for a great company. And Alex did turn out to be a great company to work for. The unfortunate thing, I, th- I was thought I was going to finish out my career there, but they were bought out. And I knew that. As, and it was promoted to controller shortly, probably within a year of when I started there. So that worked out really well. And But the unfortunate thing, hoping to finish out my career with them, 
but they got bought out. And so like three and a half years later, um, again, looking for something. And that's when Bartlett Cock came along, which again was, was right place, right time and great company to work for. What do you feel has helped you be able to move up over the years and get hired for these positions with more responsibility? I guess, what skills do you feel you've had to develop outside of what you learned in school? You know, I think confidence in your abilities. I mean, I think a lot of times we go into something not feeling like maybe we can do it or or we're hoping that do well or, you know, just kind of go in with a little bit of hesitation. And, and I don't know where it comes from, Mark, to be quite honest. You know, I'm going to give all the thanks to our good Lord for providing this gift to me. But I just have never gone in anywhere where I didn't feel like there was, that I could do the job and do it well. And I don't know if that comes across in the interview process or whether you know comes across in just discussions or whatever. But that's, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I think if you go into something and you feel like you can do it and it comes out that way, not a cockiness, not an overconfident, you know, I don't think you go in. When I was young, I mean, way young and early, early on in my career, I thought I could be president or CEO of a company. As I went through my development, I realized how wrong I was. I mean, I was nowhere near, <laughs> had the skills, nor the, the smarts, nor the experience to go do that. But when you're young, you kind of have that. And, and I think a lot of people, I mean, I think everybody has aspirations of at some point in their career the, to be president or CEO of a company. And I mean, I think that's always been there for me, but I always also felt at some point it was just a matter of, hey, whatever job it is that I'm doing, I just want to make sure that I do it to the best of my abilities. And that's all I can do. And if you can do that, I think that's a big, big help. I mean, obviously there is the technical and you got to continue. I mean, education is something you just got to, being a CPA, which I believe you are as well, you've got CPE hours that you've got to maintain. And so that helps. And then I you know, I love learning. I mean, I, I certainly do not consider myself to be the smartest person around. And I feel like I've got a lot to learn still. And I feel like I learn something new every day, whether small or large, but you know, you learn something and I think that's good. You know, you certainly got to be sharp in that area and and continue to sharpen your skills in that area. But I also think just, again, if you have a, a, a positive attitude, I think that that's a big help. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Bobby, to sort of summarize what you're saying. Self-confidence is important, but also some humility is important. Yes, you know, I you totally agree with that. Absolutely. I will say one thing. I learned this early, early on in my career, and I laugh, and I don't know why I'm laughing, but I guess maybe <laughs> I'm just a little nervous here. But you know, I just learned that if you make a mistake, fess up to it. Don't try to blame somebody else. Don't try to sweep it under the rug. Just fess up to it and learn from it. Okay, so I made a mistake. Hey, here's what happened. Feel bad. And quite honestly, I've done that. And luckily, I've not had a lot of mistakes that I've made. But when I have, I mean, I've, I've fessed up to it. And, you know, it feels good. It feels good to, you know, hey, I'm willing to suffer the consequences. And luckily, the consequences for me have not been anything dramatic. But I'm willing to go there and just get it done. And like I said, just put it out on the table and put it behind us, but learn from it. And if you do that, I think that's that's great. I mean, that's a, that's a big step. That's really good advice. It is. I told you in advance, I wanted to talk a little bit about your giving back to the community because you, you definitely seem to be one of the more uh, community-involved CFOs here in San Antonio. I, I know with LLS and there may be other things that I'm not aware of at all. So talk to us about a little bit about LLS. You have a leadership position with them, correct? 
Yes, I'm on the board of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society of South Texas, which is based out here in San Antonio. And I got involved with Big Brothers, Big Sisters early, early on in my, I guess, in my life, probably my 20s, 30s. I got involved with them. And just, you know, I have a, I have a passion to, you know, I feel like I've been blessed. And so I, I want to give back. And to me, that's one of the ways to give back. And I love kids. And if I can somehow help children or organizations where children are involved, I mean, I've, I've always kind of wanted to do that. I'm also, and, and I'm, I'll get back to your, your question on LLS, but I'm also involved with, I just joined the Bereavement Center, the Children's Bereavement Center, and I'm on their board. And I'll kind of touch on that a little bit as well. And I'm also on the board of uh, Shriner University. Uh, kind of tell you how I want to know how I got involved with that one. I can certainly <laughs> uh, talk about that as well, but I don't know whether we have that much time. So, I, I, But I want you to know that I am involved with them, and I have been involved with some. I was involved with St. PJ's Children's Home here in San Antonio, and I just rolled off the board here last year. And so when I rolled off of that one, I, I rolled onto the bereavement center. It was kind of the timing was, was perfect. But LLS, you know, got involved. The company got involved because we had one of our vice presidents, his wife, was diagnosed with leukemia. And I'm going to say, I kind of, and I hate saying I, cause, but, but in that whole process, one of the things that I just felt was as a company, we give to a lot of our clients and we support them and in, in whatever, whether it's the foundations, school foundations, whether it's higher ed or, or, you know, K through 12, whether it's healthcare, you know, we, we help support them in, in whatever way that we can. But I kind of felt like, okay, here we've got a person who has personal experience with leukemia, and, and we really, as a company, I felt like we needed to support somebody outside of just the people that are kind of handing us paycheck and, and kind of more from a community standpoint. And so we just felt like, okay, well, here's the perfect opportunity. You know, we've got somebody here who unfortunately went into remission and then it came back and since then has passed away like three or four years ago. So it was it was a... Unfortunately, not a happy ending for us, but it's a, a organization that we've continued to get involved with. And so we got involved with it. She was diagnosed with leukemia and have stayed on. And, and the year after we got the first year after we got involved or the second year that we were involved with Leukemia Lymphoma Society, they approached me, which I was really surprised that they wanted me to be the corporate walk chair for the light the night walk here in San Antonio. And I mean, I didn't know whether they were scraping the, the bottom of the barrel here or what they were, what they were doing, but you know, we, we like, we think you'd be a great corporate walk chair. And for me, I kind of like doing things that are uncomfortable because I feel like you learn from that and you know, kind of get back your learning experience. And so I took it on. I said, you know what? I need to talk to the folks here at the company. I don't know what kind of time commitment it is and all that, but I, I want to do it. But as long as I got sort of our CEO, president, and they're okay with me taking the time to spend, I, I'd love to do that. And so I did check and they supported me. And so we did it. And, and it was great campaign. It was a lot of fun. We, it was great for the company. The company really rallied around me. And, you know, we did a great job of raising a lot of money, which goes to research. And it's just a great organization. So I've, I've been with them now going on my fourth year with them and I'm on the board. So after I finished that, my corporate walk chair duties. They asked me to be on the board of, of which I gladly accepted. So I've been with them, like I said, for four years. And it's it's just, I guess, my way of giving back to the community. Like I said, I feel like I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. And it's very fulfilling to get just get involved and, and know that there's you're doing something you know, to help others. Sure. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. That seems like it was a major commitment, that corporate walk chair. It seems like that would be 
a larger commitment than even being on the board, honestly. It was. The good thing is they help you a lot. And it, okay. They support you. There was everything that needed to get done. You had a support team from the Leukemia Lymphoma Society that did it for you. Work continued on here. Everything you know, kind of moved along very smoothly. And then anything that I needed from them, they had a support staff they had, or they gave me a, a staff to, to help me with anything that letters being sent out, phone calls being made, things being organized. So it, it was a big time commitment, but they made it very easy to where it didn't seem like it was overwhelming. Okay. Okay. Well, you were mentioning all the other organizations, and had I realized there were so many others, I would have started this line of conversation earlier, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're doing a lot. You're doing a yeah, lot. You know what? And it's, it's, sometimes I kind of wonder why, because it, I mean, it does require, you know, we, some of the boards you meet monthly, some of them you meet bi-monthly. It can be a little, little time consuming. And there's a lot of things that go along with that. I mean, there's a lot of fundraisers and galas and, just different different things that take place throughout the year. So it's it can be, but it's, I don't know, it's just, I could not see myself not being involved with those groups or with someone, we you know, with the nonprofits that I'm, that I'm involved with. You sound like you get a lot of personal fulfillment through it. A lot. Yeah, really do. I also, you know, it puts me in contact with other people that are, you know, kind of have similar, I guess, desires that I do to, to help others. And, and you meet some really good people and, and it's from the, the Shriner University. It's Kerrville. I mean, there's a lot of people that are from that area or in the surrounding area or some that come in from Houston. That's a guy who comes in from D.C., Washington, D.C. So you get exposure to these folks that, you know, you just you, you learn. You learn from them. And again, it's extremely fulfilling and it's just neat to I love meeting other folks. And so that's that's a great way to do it as well. OK, well, I, I don't want to make you have to make a choice between what organization to talk about. <laughs> this podcast will end up coming out right at the end of October. So okay. are there any upcoming events that any of these organizations have in November or December that you'd like to publicize? Is there anything we should be aware of? Well, you know, we just had a corporate walk for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society on October 1st. And unfortunately, I would have loved to have mentioned that prior to this or prior to the walk, obviously, the announcing it. But you know, I will say last year we had a great corporate walk chair raised about $1.5 million and thought, boy, he has raised the bar because I think prior to that, maybe $1.2 was the, the most that had ever been raised. And kind of in our discussions on setting the goal for this year, we said, you know, we don't want to dampen the corporate walk chairs. Don't want to tell them, well, 1.5 was really exceptional last year. So <laughs> we don't expect you to do 1.5, but we'd like, you know, to give it your we're going to help you get to at least 1.5, but we're hoping we can maybe get to 1.6. Well, I'm happy to announce that they hit 1.7 and still collecting. And it was a humongous success. I mean, it was just tremendous. So it was really, really good. I can't think of, I mean, I'm trying to think of the bereavement center has something coming up. We just had a, they just celebrated their 20th anniversary kind of appreciation luncheon yesterday, of which I was there with my daughter. We were both, I guess I'll say, beneficiaries of the bereavement center. My wife passed away in 2010, which I think you're aware of, Mark. I, don't, I think we've mm-hmm. talked about that. And so we went to the bereavement center and that was the main reason I got involved with them is that I felt like they helped us tremendously during a really hard time for us. And so again, in my efforts to give back, I was asked to be on the board and I didn't really go pursue it, but I would have loved to have 
pursued it if I, you know, I would have liked to, I would have pursued it regardless, but I, you know, the timing again wasn't right, but it just kind of worked out where the, at the point where they asked me, I was just rolling off the St. PJ's board. And so that worked out really well. So I'm glad to be involved with them. So I just joined them here like a month ago. So, but I got to go to the luncheon and all that. And it was great. It was, it was a great thing. And they've got, I think they've got a run in, I think Halloween, right around the weekend of Halloween that they do. Oh, really? So that's, yeah, that's, that's there. You can look it up on the Bereavement Center's website. It's Bereavement Center of South Texas and, and it'll come up and, and they've got a run that's to help raise some money, but it's kind of a fun run. It's a, I think it's a 5k. I don't think it's a 10k. I think it's a 5k, but love to see people come out and experience what the Bereavement Center does and, and just kind of go out. And I know you're, you're a runner, Mark. And, <laughs> yeah. And so that'd be, that'd be a great. I don't know where the course is, but again, I think it's all outlined in the in the website on the website, and so okay. it's kind of a fun thing. So if you're around, that'd be fun to. I'm going to try to make it this year. This will be my first time that I that I go to it, so I can't really talk too much about it. But I'm sure it's a fun fun thing, and I think its costumes are optional. You don't have to wear one, but it'd be fun to just go out there. And it's always fun to just get a good run in. And I think when you're helping others, it it kind of makes it even that much more special. Sure. Well, what we'll do, we'll put a link to that website in our show notes. Okay. So when the podcast comes out, everybody can you know visit it as well. So That'd be great. Well, there's four questions that I end every podcast with. And so okay. I want to, to uh, run you through the ringer on the four questions. Okay. <laughs> First of all, whether it's been life or career, what's been your proudest moment? That's an easy one. And you may guess it, but the birth of my daughter. I mean, that was just the highlight of my life. And that's just been amazing. She's adopted, but we were there for the birth. And so we went through the whole process as if she was ours. And it was just great. It was just a great, great experience and just love her to death. She's now, she's going to be 13 tomorrow, which is Saturday, October 15th. And it's hard to believe that it's been 13 years, but that I would have to say was the highlight. That's an easy one. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. On the flip side, I guess, tell us about a mistake you've made and, and what you learned from it. And if you don't mind, the more colossal, the better. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I don't, and I told you, I haven't made too many mistakes. Well, I probably lied. I mean, I probably made a ton of mistakes. I just don't want to admit to them and I probably don't want to <laughs> think about them. I don't want to resurface those mistakes. Seriously, I think the biggest mistake, and this is something that happened when I was in public accounting. So I had just started my career, and this is very, kind of unlike me. I hope that that's what I'm saying is true. You know, I just remember saying some things about someone and it wasn't anything horrible. I mean, when it was more work related and, and I'm not going to go into the details and it wasn't anything bad as far as cruel or anything to that effect. But I just remember it got back to that person Oh, and it got back to that person pretty quick to the point where they pulled me into their office and talk to me. And number one, I quickly realized that not a very smart thing to do. Okay. So that's something I hope that I've never repeated you know, in my career so far. I was glad the person brought me in and we sat down and we talked and we talked through the issue of, of what had occurred and all that. And we were able to put that behind us. I mean, we, we continue to work together and all that, but it was just embarrassing. I mean, it was extremely embarrassing to me. I was in my early 20s, mid-20s maybe, and kind of said something that really was nothing, again, horrible, nothing, I mean, it wasn't, and I'm trying to think of the right word to say, but anyway, it wasn't anything 
that I said anything, but it was just saying something that I probably shouldn't have said. Mm-hmm. And it got back to that person and, and for it to have gotten back to her was just a kind of a rude awakening for me that I realized that, you know what, you can't go around just saying things because number one, it could get back to that person. But you know what, if you can't say it in front of that person, you probably shouldn't be saying it at all. To me, that was something early, early on that, that I just learned. And, and like I said, I, I think I've learned from that and I don't think I've repeated that. And there's probably lots of other things that I've done. For some reason, that just kind of sticks out in my mind. Just, just as something that, wow, that was not very, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Sure. Well, I think all of us have said something that you know you immediately wish you could take back. And that gets back to something you said earlier, though. When you make a mistake, fess up and learn from it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I it's didn't done. deny it. I did not deny it. And I was, like I said, I was glad they pulled me into their office and we discussed it. We talked about it. And we put it behind us, we worked together, we could, you know, it was like, okay, let's move on. And that was, to me, was great. Just number one, the fact that I realized what I'd done was wrong. And then the fact that I was able to talk to the person about it face to face, and we were able to work through it, put it behind us and move on. I mean, that, that to me was just a valuable lesson. It is. Who's been the biggest mentor for you in your career? You know what? I've had... Uh, tremendous career and have had some great, great mentors. But I would have to say, and and this is kind of, I guess, a little strange because I I was under, I'm going to say the person's name is Dwayne Poza. And Dwayne was the CEO of Bartlett Cock when I came here. And and although there were obviously other people involved in the interview process and all that, I really feel that I owe to Dwayne for being here. I think he took a chance on me. I didn't really have the construction experience, but he didn't want that. He wanted somebody who could bring kind of other industries and other thoughts into the organization that were not just strictly from the from the construction side. But the reason I say he was a mentor is is I'll never forget I sat down, I, I was invited to a shareholder retreat, which they have an annual shareholder retreat here at Barley Cog. And we were sitting there and first of all he introduced me and he says, Well, not only is Bobby not a shareholder of the company, he's not even an employee yet. So they invited me, after I had accepted the offer, they invited me to go, myself and family, to go to the retreat with the rest of the shareholders, of which I was not a shareholder at that point. And I remember we were at dinner and was fortunate enough to to sit at his table. And he kind of pulled me aside and he says, you know, my goal for the next year is to help you succeed. Wow. And and again, I felt very fortunate to even be working for the company with my limited construction background. And so for him to say that and for him to just pretty much take me under his wing, he couldn't have said anything more powerful. Because to me, I knew right then and there, not that I didn't know before, I'm not going to let you down. I mean, that was my, my whole thought process. I will not let you down. And, and, and I will sit with you and learn everything there is. And he did. I mean, immediately, I mean, it was just, we set things in motion. I mean, he introduced me to all the you know people that I needed to meet right away, whether it was bankers, insurance guys, surety company, et cetera. You know, they, he just set up meetings and he was there and it was just great. And the, the reason I hesitated even in saying that it was kind of a little strange to say Dwayne is because he was only here for a year, but the knowledge and just the experience that he passed on to me during that one year was phenomenal. And he is a incredible person. I mean, he's a great dad. He's a great husband. He's a great 
business person. He's well involved in the community. Just a great person overall. I mean, just a great, great guy. So that's someone that I would certainly consider a huge mentor in my life. That's wonderful. There's a management lesson in there because when when you see talent, you need to invest in it quickly. And and it sounds like that's what he did. He went all in with you. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. He sure did. Sure did. Well, the last question, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, this is going to sound simplistic. But that's okay. And, and I'm going to give my mom all the credit. And I have an older brother and younger sister. And I just remember her when I, when I started working, number one, she was a huge advocate of education. I'm going to take a step back. My, both my parents are from Mexico. You know, they migrated here from Mexico. My dad, probably at age 12, was forced to quit school and work. And my mom finished high school, but then came here to the States for hopefully better opportunities, of which both of them ended up you know, doing very well. So number one, she just she was a big advocate on education. She wanted us to go to college. I mean, I, I didn't ever think about not going to college just because my mom ingrained that in us that you're going to go to school. You're going to continue to go to school. Education, most important thing that you can do. And after you know, we got out, I mean, we all went to the University of Texas, graduated from the University of Texas. And then we all, when we got out, her advice to us was take care of your job. Do what you're supposed to do. Give it your best and just take care of your job. And I say take care of your job because she said it in Spanish, but that's kind of the translation. And it's so true. I mean, I think a lot of times you take things for granted and you kind of, a lot of times you kind of think grass is greener on the other side. And so you're always kind of looking somewhere else and not really paying attention to where you're at. So I give my mom just the, I mean, something that stayed with me. And I can honestly say, I think it's stayed with my brother and with my sister as well. That I, I just think that it's just important that that's your livelihood. And, and it's important that you, and taking care of it may not be the right term, but I think it's just giving it your best. I mean, just always, if you're somewhere, don't become part of the problem, become part of the solution and just, just give it your best. And I, I think that was the best advice that I could have ever gotten. And I credit my mom for that. That's wonderful. It sounds like you've definitely given it your best in your career, and and actually now you're expanding that, giving it your best in the community, you know, with with organizations like LLS, the Bereavement Center, and such as that. It's wonderful. Thank well, you, Bobby. This is going to benefit a lot of people. I really appreciate you sharing. I, I think there's a lot of nuggets in here for people just starting their career, as well as you know those that are you know 20 plus years into it. So. You've been very generous with the details. Thank you very much. It was great doing it. I enjoyed it. And I do hope somebody will not find this too boring, <laughs> my <laughs> career, my life and all that. And they'll, they'll show some interest. But I think I spoke from the heart. And, and I think there's some life lessons there and some work lessons there. And I mean, everybody's a little different. And, you know, you can't follow the same formula. It doesn't work for everybody. Things just, you know, different curves are thrown to us at different times. But it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. I hope to talk to you again soon. You bet. Thank you, Mark. Take care. That was my interview with Bobby Rios, the CFO of Bartlett Cock General Contractors in San Antonio. 
Bobby shared some really good advice on growing your career as well as community involvement. And I found his theme of having confidence in your abilities, but at the same time, tempering that with an attitude of graciousness and humility really leads to, to career growth. I, I found that, and career success, I, I found that really valuable. And honestly, I, I feel like anyone could benefit from that experience and, and that advice, whether you're 20 or 30 years into your career or whether you're just about to graduate from college. I hope you join us again for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you found this has been beneficial, please share it through social media or check out our podcast page at whereaccountantsgo.com where you can subscribe for all future announcements. Thank you again for joining us. There's more to come.